I don't know how much you know what we're doing here, but we're doing a series of historical videos and stories about okay. this stuff. It's the New England game in 08. Why do we want to bring up that game? Because I mean, what, what, why do we need to ever talk about that game again? 47 to seven, I'll never forget that score. And I still have frostbite in my middle finger on my right hand. The moment I stepped off the bus, I think my foot went down about six or seven inches in ice and snow, so I knew that we were a long way from Arizona. The worst feeling, I, I, when I look back over to those jets, the heating units that, that blow out and your whole group is over there constantly, it's not good because they're thinking about how cold they are. It's still snowing and the Cardinals are still struggling away from Phoenix. Guys saw the snow on the ground and we were beat right there. We deserve that. 55-hour plane ride home because it was ugly. There's no other way to describe it other than uh, just a cold day in hell. And we're not gonna let that be our story. Sometimes you just need a wake-up call. It was the biggest loss all season. And it was also maybe the biggest reason the Cardinals ended up on the biggest stage in sports. In the history of the NFL, has there been a worse playoff team than what Arizona looks like coming in? When you're constantly hearing from a lot of people that, uh, you know, that you're not very good, yes, absolutely you can use it and, it, and it's helped us. Whenever you have a lot of doubters and a lot of naysayers, it feels even better when you go out there and you play well and you win the game. You know, some of the negative thoughts that we were over our head, that we weren't a true contender, it really motivated a lot of our guys to go out there and prove them all wrong. I know we're in the playoffs, but that's not why I'm here. I'm not here just to get into the playoffs. When nobody else believed in us, when nobody else believed in me, you guys did, and we're going to the Super Bowl! Yeah! Welcome to Cardinals Folktales Snow Day to Tampa Bay, presented by SeatGeek where we go in-depth into Cardinals history, all-time anecdotes through the recollections and memories of those who lived it, or in my case, those who covered it. My name is Paul Calvisi, Cardinals sideline reporter. I ruined a pair of shoes on the New England sideline that December day, but if that's what it took for the Cardinals to play into February, it was well worth it. Super Bowl <laughs> 43, here we come. Appreciate it, Chris, you know, for giving us that, that sound bite because we took it and we ran with it. We ran all the way to Tampa with it. Welcome to the biggest sporting event in the world, the Super Bowl from Tampa, Florida. See, that's why we're talking about this New England snow game 2008 because to hear the Cardinals tell it that lopsided loss resulted in some of the biggest wins in team history. There's always times throughout seasons there's moments or games that make you stop and reflect on okay where are we at now as a team where do we need to go what are we trying to accomplish and without a doubt that run of games and that New England game uh, was a real eye-opener on, on where we were and, and what we needed to become. That's former Cardinals quarterback and Hall of Famer Kurt Warner. And yes, the 2008 Cardinals had already become NFC West champs, winning a division title for the first time since 1975, meaning the Cardinals would host a playoff game for the first time since 1947 and there was euphoria in the air. Rogers Camardi might go, 40, 30, NFC West champs, here they come, touchdown, DRC! This one's over, 
You're the NFC West champions. We had won the division early that year. And you know, we were bad division and we were in the playoffs. And I believe it was one of those things where nobody ever believed we were going to get to the playoffs. Now we're in the playoffs. And that was good enough for a lot of people. We had had a, a, a mission all the way up until that point. And after the Rams game, it was like this collective sigh of relief, like, phew, we finally got that done. We can rest on our laurels now. That's former Cardinals Pro Bowl pass rusher Bertrand Berry, and that went over the Rams to go 8-5. and five. That was a hat and t-shirt game. Both read NFC West champions, but there were still three games to play. And forget the postseason, the Cardinals started playing ball with all the passion of the preseason. Here's Cardinals linebackers coach at the time, Bill Davis. When we hit these this second half of the season, we weren't just losing, but we were getting beat down. We went on a stretch there where we played four playoff teams. All of them crushed us. Every one of them just blew us out of the water. True, after a seven and three start, the Cardinals lost four games around that Rams division clinching game, including the snow game by a combined 167 to 70. If you're having success, <laughs> you can become very, very lax. Sometimes you need to get kicked in the butt to realize like, okay, we haven't made it yet, you know? And John Lott used to say it all the time during conditioning, you guys ain't in catting yet, booyah. That's Gabe Watson, the former Cardinals D lineman doing his best impression of John Lott, the Cardinals strength coach at the time. And no one was gonna put the Cardinals into the Hall of Fame for two other reasons as well. First, the 2008 Cardinals were two and six against winning teams that year and on the road, sub 500, the GM, was Rod Graves. We were not a very good road team that season. And so one of the challenges that we had was really overcoming our road performance. Uh, and so this was going to be a huge test for us. We knew it going in. It wasn't like we went into it relaxed. We knew that that was a hurdle that we had to get over if we were going to be viewed as a legitimate contender. And the Cardinals knew when the schedule came out back in April that a late December road game in New England could spell trouble. And that possibility became cold reality, literally, when the Cardinals team plane touched down Friday night in a snowstorm. Then on Saturday, at a walkthrough at Brown University, well, here's Cardinals VP of Media Relations, Mark Dalton. Our walkthrough, it was heavily snowing. And if I recall, there were a number of guys, I think Dominique Rogers Cromartie was one of them. It was the first occasion in his life that he had seen snow was that trip. Um, people sort of handicapping that game would probably say, hmm, Warm weather, dome team playing in the snow, maybe challenging. You want challenging. The stat going into the game was that the New England Patriots in home games where snow had fallen during the game were undefeated all time, 9-0. One of the biggest things I learned from living in Green Bay and playing those bitter cold games is nobody's more cold than the other team. The, the, both teams are equally freezing. It's who's thinking about freezing more and not thinking about executing their assignment more. And that's all it comes down to. I remember flying into the airport and guys saw the snow on the ground and we were beat right there. We were beat before we ever got off the plane because the way they had spoken about the, the snow and how cold it was and all those different things and we went and did a walkthrough and 
guys did not want any part of that snow. I still remember being on those Cardinals team buses. Luckily, not the one that slid out and got delayed. Normally, players, they're locked into their phones looking down, right? Not this long bus ride. Players were staring out those windows at the winter wonderland. Finally, there was the stadium. You could see it. It looked like a stadium. You weren't quite sure because of the snow and the blizzard, and then all of a sudden it appeared, and you knew you are in trouble. Why? Because the New England Patriots are the best home football team this decade. You just kind of had a feeling, based on history, that probably wasn't going to be our day. You know, you wake up, it's gloomy, it's cold, there's snow everywhere. Yeah, let's just say a snow-covered field made for tough sledding for the Cards. They ran eight times in their first nine plays without a first down. For the Patriots, who had practiced in it all week, it was a blizzard of points. Castle takes, handoff Jordan, right side, touchdown. Far side 15, cut it back to the right of the 10, to the five-yard line, touchdown New England. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. You gotta be joking. The onslaught is on 20 to nothing, and the Cardinals don't even have a first down. During that game, some of their audible calls was actually my wife's name. Yeah. So these guys are so smart. They'll for they don't know my wife, but they'll they'll read up so much on who you are, where you're from, and all this stuff. They'll get your mind off the game for a split second. Like, how do you know my and the ball is snapped? So it's a game within a game within a game, but I've never experienced that on any level of football until we played the Patriots. And the Patriot fans start throwing snowballs into the air. All you see is snowballs as you look around Gillette Stadium. In game, every touchdown, you look outside and you can't even see the field because there's snowballs going back and forth. Some are coming in our booth because our booth is in the middle of the stands basically there. So it was just a miserable day. I just hope we're not next to get drilled by a snowball. It's getting cold, man. This guy right here's got an arm. This dude right here with the uh, gray cap on, he almost drilled. Uh, Warner, I think it was. And your resident sideline reporter was in the line of fire, and it wasn't friendly. Not only, as you might imagine, the fans throwing the snowballs up in the air, yes, they're starting to rain down on the Cardinals' sideline, so now it's dodgeball as well. Get a helmet, Pauly, and strap it on. Hey, I probably did get hit by a snowball or 10, but I had plenty of protection, more padding basically than the players. We're just going to call him Polly Stay Puff. He looks like a big red marshmallow down on the field with that huge winter jacket he's got on. Man, he looks like he's about 240 in that jacket right now, <laughs> and you know he's only 150. What wasn't funny was a telltale sign that the Cardinals were doomed. The portable heaters on either end of the sideline. At some point, I looked down on the sideline, and we must have had about seven to eight players standing around the heater, you know. And so, I'm, and I looked over on the other side, and it looked like a normal sideline operation. The worst feeling, I, I, when I look back over to those jets, the heater, the heating units that, that blow out and your whole group is over there constantly, it's not good because they're thinking about how cold they are. And if you're looking for something that's red hot in the sideline, how about the Cardinals coaches? These guys are all over the Cardinals right now. Quoting them directly, get your mind right. They're yelling at guys who are standing over by the heater and telling them to get in the game. So while we were struggling moving the ball, they were kind of like a hot knife through butter and like, okay, this might not be 
this might not be our day uh, in the snow in Foxborough. Drops back, has time, throws across the middle to Welker for the touchdown. After the touchdown, unsportsmanlike conduct, number 83 of the offense. Demonstration, 15-yard penalty. That's the best thing to happen to the Cardinals today. That means New England will actually kick off from the 15. That's right. Patriots receiver Wes Welker got flagged up for making a snow angel after a touchdown that made it 28-0 just before the half. There was no fight in that team, and I was really disappointed in, in how we went out to fight. It's one thing to get beat. You're going to lose games in the NFL, but to not even put up a fight and to not show up the way we did, just really disappointing. Then again, Bertrand Berry lost more than a game that day. How about the feeling in one of his fingertips? 47 to seven, I'll never forget that score. And I still have frostbite in my middle finger on my right hand because that was the hand that was in the ground. So to this day, I still don't have great feeling at the tip of my right ring finger because of that game. Yeah, 47-7, that was the final score. The Patriots scoring on nine of the first 10 possessions while Kurt Warner threw for 30 yards. 30, a new career low before getting pulled. The guys that you know were kind of taking notice of the big picture um, said we, we, we're not gonna let that happen again. We're not gonna let that be our story. Sometimes you just need a wake up call. But before the Cardinals could answer that call, first they had to fly back to Phoenix, which served as a reminder it can always get worse. Long trip home. Uh, now there were a lot of unique variables and nuances. We were flying in and out of Providence, which is a smaller airport with smaller runways. So things like fuel couldn't be completely full because it, the plane wouldn't be able to take off once it hit the end of the runway. Uh, the plane weighed more because all of the gear from the game was now saturated with from the snow. You know, I think my, my socks were soaking wet from the snow and I think at that point I, I, I probably didn't care. I was just wanted to get home. It just seemed like it was just a never-ending nightmare. I'd like we, we just couldn't wake up from this nightmare. That's former Cardinal Bertrand Berry, preceded by Dave Pash and Mark Dalton. And look, the Cardinals have played plenty of games at New England. It's somewhere between, what, five, six hours home to Phoenix, right? Yeah, not this time around. You can more than double that. And we have a social media account to prove it. So about a week before the New England game, I jumped on Facebook and started uh, my profile. It was relatively new at the time. and. Uh, you know, I really hadn't done anything with it yet. And uh, since we had a bunch of time to kill, I uh, jumped on and started kind of documenting the evening, the diary, if you will. That's longtime Cardinals radio producer Jim Omohundro, who was filing posts in real time at the time from a really delayed Redbird 1 team playing. 7.39 p.m. I would rather be punched in the face than be sitting on this broken plane for four plus hours. I think that it's the bypass line. Fix it. Okay, the in-flight movie was not Fletch. It wasn't ball bearings or a Fetzer valve or the bypass line or gauze pads. What was wrong, for real? They ran out of de-icing fluid. So first, they had to restock and then restart the process all over again. 8.17 p.m. I'm pissed. Five hours and 15 minutes after we left the stadium, they just started the engines on the plane. 8.20 p.m. I'm happy to report that the plane is in motion. 
Next stop, Minneapolis for fuel. The plane was heavier, so it's burning more fuel. And as a result, you know, okay, hey, we, we, we probably have to stop and refuel. A couple hours in, hour and a half in, plane's dark, people are tired, all the players are sleeping. And I got word that we were going to have to land to get refueled in Minnesota. Yeah, I remember having to land to refuel. Uh, we were sitting, I believe, towards the back of the plane so we could smell everything, jet fuel. 11, 12 p.m. I'm in Minneapolis refueling the 757 for the ride to Phoenix. It's minus seven outside right now. Why would anyone live here? They are gonna restock us with some stuff in the back of the plane, which we're all sitting right there at the back of the plane. And I'll never forget, Lyle Sunline is sleeping and they open the back and it's dark outside and it's Minnesota. I mean, it's below zero. And they open the back and this whoosh of like freezing air comes in. And he wakes up and he says, what the f is going on around here? Cause like he slept through the landing. I'm commenting on my own status because they opened the door to get supplies and minus seven feels exactly like I thought it would be. Frickin' cold. At this point, everything was amiss or a mess, like Lyle Senline's bedhead. In fact, multiple members of the travel party got up, grabbed their bags, ready to deplane, thinking the plane had landed in Phoenix. Once we landed to get refueled, we're down there long enough, we had to get de-iced again. I can't sleep on plane, so it was torture for me. I was tired because I had to play the whole game. It was rough. I mean, the de-icing and then de-ice again when we are in Minnesota, I mean, it just seemed like the trip that wouldn't end. Like, it was bad enough that we got our tails kicked 47-7, but then we had to go through that fiasco of just trying to get back home. Yeah, it was definitely the definition of adding insult to injury, of uh, a, a tough afternoon in Foxborough, followed by a long evening slash morning back to Phoenix. 4.16 a.m. I'm finally home from the frozen Northeast, 13 hours and 16 minutes after leaving the stadium in Foxborough. Brutal ending to a brutal day. We deserve that 55-hour plane ride home because it was ugly. Here's the thing, if the flight home was a kick to the gut, then practice that next week was a kick to the butt. Practicing that next week, I mean, Wiz was definitely on one to try to get us motivated. We practiced in the rain two straight days. I mean, it was coming down like cats and dogs. Couldn't even see the field because it was so much water, standing water. And uh, he was bound and determined to get it out of us that week. Like he wanted to send a message to us that week. Wizenhunt was basically telling guys, if you don't play hard in practice this week and you don't play hard in this finale, uh, I don't care who you are, I'm not playing you in the playoffs. And who better to reinforce that message than two future Hall of Famers? Larry Fitzgerald remembers vividly. I think guys really understood um, the importance of putting together a good week of work. And it was all started by Kurt. I mean, those two rain practice, I don't think a ball touched the ground. And from that day on, we were a different ball club and it all started with him. I remember having some meetings with the different leaders of the different groups and going, hold on a sec here, guys. I know we're in the playoffs, but that's not why I'm here. I'm not here just to get into the playoffs. We've got to change the direction of what's going on because I really felt the mindset was, oh, we've accomplished something we've never accomplished before. This is great. We're all happy. It wasn't that we lost to New England. We got pushed around. I mean, we looked like a team that had no idea what we were doing at that point. And here we were trying to get ready for a playoff run, and we didn't know what we had as a team. We, did, we didn't know what we were going to be. I mean, 
it was a real fear we could go in the playoffs and embarrass ourselves. You do not want to be going into the playoffs playing bad football. I do think it was kind of important uh, going forward that they kind of recalibrated because clearly they were headed in a totally wrong direction. And in hindsight, it seemed to work. You can either take it to build on or you can lie down and not recover. Uh, and, you know, we chose to, to take the, uh, that moment and, and convince ourselves that, you know, we, we were better than that. We, we were not going to take that kind of whipping again going forward, and, and our team responded. But that did not prevent the Cardinals from taking a whipping in the media. In the history of the NFL, has there been a worse playoff team than what Arizona looks like coming in? That's Chris Collinsworth on Inside the NFL, and that's all the Cardinals needed to hear to galvanize the locker room, a rip job that became the Cardinals' rallying cry as they heard it over and over again. New England looked great considering they were playing the University of Arizona out there. I, really, I mean that as no disrespect to the University of Arizona. In the history of the NFL, has there been a worse playoff team than what Arizona looks like coming in? I didn't hear it live. I started hearing it like in reports and stuff like that. And I remember thinking to myself, one, that's not gonna sit well around here. And two, Maybe it's a wake-up call. I didn't think they were the worst playoff team ever. I thought that was a little unfair. You had a future Hall of Famer quarterback. You had a young receiver that looked like he was going to be a Hall of Famer in Larry Fitzgerald. You had Anquan Bolden, who was one of the best players in football at that point. So you had, you know, you had Edger and James. I mean, you had talent. Your job as an analyst, as a pundit, you have to be bold and make declarations. And his declaration was, based on the body of evidence that he had seen and, and his analysis, Boy, this team's not only the worst team in the playoffs this year, they're the worst in the history of the playoffs. I think we all collectively just said, oh, okay, that, that's, that's, what, that's who we are, that's what y'all think we are, okay, we're gonna prove it to you. There are a few times that I felt disrespected in my career, that was one of them. Cardinal fans were ticked off. They were so mad at Chris Collinsworth. It was kind of cool to see their belief, and I think we all wanted to feel the way they did. And, and have that belief that, yeah, he's wrong. This isn't, this isn't the worst playoff team. They got Kurt Warner. We all felt the same way. We all saw it, we all heard it. It was something that we really needed because at the time, had things just kind of played themselves out, I don't know if we would have had the fire to make the run that we did. The last probably four or five games of that season was garbage on tape. We couldn't get it done right. And I think the teams that watched that film later on preparing for us were like, hey, these guys aren't that good. And again, I think that's part of the reason we went so far in the playoffs. Yeah, the Cardinals went into the playoffs 9-7, and seven, winner of the worst division in football, and yes, playing some of their worst football down the stretch. But that snow game became a snow job of sorts, conning everyone into thinking that the Cardinals would be one and done. I remember Atlanta media members showing up having already paid for their plane tickets to Carolina for round two, unaware of what was building in that Cardinals locker room, punctuated by those words again, worst playoff team ever. Appreciate it, Chris, you know, for giving us that, that sound bite because we took it and we ran with it. We ran all the way to Tampa with it. Warner under center, takes a knee, game over. Can you say road trip? Carolina next week, baby. Cardinals knock off the Falcons. Kurt Warner takes a knee, and the Arizona Cardinals will play for the National Football Conference Championship 
next week. Cardinal fans, do you believe this football team? The Cardinals have shocked the world. Trade for true. The Cards have done it. They're going to Super Bowl 43. The Arizona Cardinals are in the Super Bowl, and I think the Cardinals are clearly one of the more deserving Super Bowl teams I have ever seen. We got to Tampa on a Monday, and then that night, Ken Wisenhunt and Adrian Wilson were supposed to do a live appearance on the NFL Network in downtown Tampa, and I was invited along to chronicle it. It's definitely an interesting change of pace to see the Arizona Cardinals at the peak of the NFL profession. It just shows you what happens when you got a group of guys that believe in what you're trying to do mm -hmm. and uh, you know we get focused at the right time. In the Ken Wisenhunt kind of needling kind of way brought it up on that car ride to the point where like I think the producer was kind of like he didn't know quite what to say he felt a little uncomfortable because it was clear that the, the doubters starting with Chris Collinsworth had really reached both of them and now that they had reached the Super Bowl uh, they were ready to play that card a little bit. If you keep hearing from the media that people are surprised that the Cardinals are in this mix, can't you use that to your advantage? Well, it's tough. You know, it's hard when uh, when people are saying you're the worst playoff team ever in the history of the playoffs. And you know, this is our first chance to get to the Super Bowl, and it's something that we're very excited about. And when you're constantly hearing from a lot of people that uh, you know that you're not very good, yes, absolutely, you can use it, and it, and it's helped us. I really feel like that we have a lot of doubters. Right. And whenever you have a lot of doubters and a lot of naysayers, it feels even better when you go out there and you play well and you win the game. Are we cool, and Coach? Are we we're cool? good. We're good, Rich. Good. We're good. I just need to make sure. <laughs> Ken Wisenhunt and Adrian Wilson of the Arizona Cardinals, the NFC champion Arizona Cardinals, right here at the Super Bowl, joining us here on our Total Access set. And that's Cardinals Folktales, our season one finale, Snow Day to Tampa Bay, presented by SeatGeek. For producer Jim Omohundro, I'm Paul Calvisi. In hindsight, the Cardinals didn't need that New England game in the standings. They definitely didn't want to play that game in the cold. But considering the Cardinals didn't lose again until the Super Bowl, that New England loss proved to be exactly what the Cardinals needed. And memories from that 2008 Super Bowl season run deep, like 64 yards deep from arguably the greatest Cardinal of all time. Warner to pass with time, fires over the middle, the Fitz caught at the 45, 50, Fitz is loose, 40, 30, goodbye, 10, 5, Cardinals lead, touchdown!